Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. I want to know how you feel, because Michal Martin will be on the telly probably later on today addressing the nation, basically telling him we're ramping up the restrictions. Uh, we're staying in level five. Uh, well, they say till the 5th of March. It could be longer. We don't know anymore. Um, and how is that making you feel? How is it affecting your life? How is it affecting your work? How is it affecting the operation you were meant to have? How is it affecting the, I suppose, the appointment with the family law court that you were meant to have or your divorce, or your separation, or your access to your children? How is it affecting your life and your mental health? How is it affecting you generally? And the worry about COVID. How is that affecting you too? I want to know. And I want to know how you feel. Let me know. The number is 087-188-0008. Are you dealing with life? All right, so your text coming in. Uh, somebody says, how am I feeling? Shattered, mental health bad, exploded with boss last week. Thank you, classic hits. Uh, my employer, somebody else says, has introduced an of- official face mask policy with the only exceptions being underlying medical conditions accompanied by a supporting documentation from your GP. I intend to avail of the provision for exemption under the statutory instrument number 296 of 2020 part 5, whatever it is, which excuses the wearing of a facial covering in any relevant, in any relevant premises. I, I was wondering if my employer has the power to deny me access to work following the failure to comply with a policy as stated in their correspondence. Furthermore, I'm curious as to their authority in demanding medical certificates or certifications in light of GDPR legislation. I guess what I'm asking is, owing to the fact that I have no medical conditions, what protections am I afforded by the self-declaration and would it even be worth my while fighting uh, with my employer on the subject if they are within their rights. Uh, well, I, I think GDPR, it seems, well, you could contact, I suppose, the data communications or the data um, communications officer and you could find out exactly, or data protection officer, I apologise, and you could find out exactly what your position is. But I don't think any do, any employer has the right, legally, to ask you uh, for a note or from a doctor or that kind of information from a doctor. I don't think they have the right. They, the only right they have is to ask you for a sick note if you're sick from work. And I even think that nowadays that's kind of frowned upon. Let me just go to Michal. Maybe I'm wrong. Michal, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Michal? Gia Gwit, Chen Chen. Gia Gwit, I'm going to Michal, how is it, how are you handling it? I mean, here you are. I mean, a hard-working elderly man. And I hope you're not insulted by the word elderly. Senior citizen. Senior citizen, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah that it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how are you handling all this? Are you okay with it? Are you dealing with it? Uh, and the biggest problem I have with it is I'm feeling okay with it mentally. Otherwise. The biggest problem we have is myself and absolutely massive thousands more like me. I love a minimum of 16-hour a day work. That is a seven-day week. I idolise work. It's my hobby. I idolise it. But you've lost a senior citizen like me because of the age we're at. Remind, remind, me, remind me again your age. You're in your 70s. 77. Yeah. 77. Shock 77. Shock. You're, yeah, yeah. Three scores to shock, Jack. Okay, now a lot of people of your age group, 77 years of age, yeah. one in five, by the way, are, are at home since last March and haven't moved out of the house. And, and I, I understand I, why that would be the case. I go to the shop. Yeah, go to the shop, maybe. Yeah. That's it. Oh, you just go to the shop. That's all you do. That uh, man, well, that's not my fault. Go anywhere else, I could be fine. Fifty or hundred bloody quid. That's all I go. That's it. I go. I don't need the shed or 
walk around like the maggot, dig the garden. But I'm at home since last March. First of all, you're not allowed out. And secondly, you couldn't afford well, you to are no, out. Well, uh, well, let's be clear. You are allowed out. There's nobody stopping you from going out. But you, you're choosing to stay at home to self-isolation. That's acceptable. People want to do that without fear. Well, 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 quite a number of friends of mine in the area, I mean, rasped by the guard at the purpose of visit, not necessary. I know the guard went on a bus quite recently and the purpose of visit going into the city. Sorry, not necessary. Hop on home. That's it, advising him to go home. And now, had I put up a Wicklow last weekend up around the Sally Gap, the fine issued four or five thousand pounds worth of fines or something to that effect, as listeners are looking at it on television, because they were outside the five mile or the five kilometer zone where mm-hmm. it's requested. I, and a, lo- a lot of people, that. a lot of people of your age would say to me yeah. that it seems like a never ending cycle and, <clears throat> you know, the lockdown after lockdown after lockdown. And, and to you, uh, say so I'm 57, so you know I'm a little bit younger than you. You're only a baby. I am. <laughs> I mean, a year of your life has essentially been, you know, isolating on and off. I mean, a year of your life is worth more than a year of mine because obviously every, every week is a year. Every week well, is well, a that's, year. Well, that's what I'm saying. As you get older, yeah. time becomes more valuable um, because yeah. obviously you don't have as much left. Uh, well, yeah. well, hopefully it's I have a bit left. Home, you know, I can tell you, they were locked down. You can say, "How long more have I got?" You have too much time to think. Okay, I mean, I, I mean, the government now are going to announce even stricter lockdowns, stricter fines, um, and be more strict in relation to the wording of necessary journey. So, you know, g- going out for, you know, and, and the government have made it quite clear, by the way, it's five kilometres. That doesn't mean you drive five kilometres and go for a walk. It means you must only go five kilometres. They may even reduce that today. Are you okay with that? Um, yeah, I am because my shops are in less than five kilometres. But, but how long go, more are you willing? How long more are you willing to accept that you can only go to your shops, or if that's what you want to do, and th- and that obviously you're a wor- you love working and everything else. How long more before that starts to affect your quality of life? The, the, the biggest, I said already, the biggest problem with the quality of life is the fact there's no money coming in. Everybody of my age have rent and everything else to pay like everybody else. I hear them crying about their children, which they're right. The children want to go back to school, special needs. But the parent of that children is number, that is her responsibility or his responsibility. The government is a secondary backup or a help. Now, we are absolutely, at my age, we get no help. We're total denial. We don't exist. Ageism is being flouted in our faces. Get the hell home. You shouldn't be live. What are you doing at this hour of your days. You shouldn't be out. I don't mind being at home. I really and truly don't mind. I prefer, believe you me, I prefer to be stuck in the arse of France or Sweden driving the truck than where I am as a president. Minister. Okay, but but I, and, I, and by the way, I have said from the very start, and I've, it's always been my position, that people like yourself or people who are in care homes as well, elderly people who may be more vulnerable in care homes, we should be focusing all our attention on supporting you in whatever you want to do. And if it's a case of somebody is in their house and they don't want to leave because they have a fear of COVID, that's, I understand that. We should be supporting alone. We should be supporting Meals on Wheels. We should be supporting, spending every bean that we have to support those who clearly, from what we've seen from the debt so far, are the most vulnerable in COVID. COVID-19. Yeah. And, Alone I, and I don't I, I don't disagree with that. Alone and their, their founder member Mr. Birmingham, one personal very great friend of mine and stuff for his family. I spoke to him on the air. I, I did spoke to him on the air there recently, yeah. He's absolutely a gentleman. But the point is, their hands are tired. The government, through legislation in their face, chew that, swally that, stew to make a stew out of it. That's what it is. There's no responsibility that nobody wants to know of the vulnerable end of it. But, really but, it, but is it fair? Vulnerable. I mean, I, I, and I'm agreeing that we should support elderly people in whatever they need and vulnerable people in whatever they need. People will argue, is it fair that everybody else 
people who generally are not at as much risk. Now, let's be clear about it. People, there are There is risk categories. We all know that. That everybody else then has to have those restrictions on their lives. But the point is that they're all at risk. There's nobody, by saying they're not at risk, that means they're there's different. Yeah, used. but there's different levels of risk, clearly. We know there that. Is, there is, there, there yes. is different levels. To make out that the senior citizens, such as myself, are far more liable to get a... Uh, well, you are. Well, no, well, maybe not you, Michal, because you're in good health. You know what I mean? There's but, one thing I don't want. I think I'm in fine health, but I surely don't want it either. No, no of course. Well, nobody nobody really does. But, st- but stay there for a second, Michal. Let me go to Catherine as well. Catherine, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Catherine? Hi, well, how are you? Good. Catherine, I mean, it's getting it's going from bad to worse, really, isn't it? <laughs> when it, it comes is. to everything, really, at the moment. And how are you feeling? I'm doing well. I'm an Australian. I live in Ireland. Okay. Um, so I suppose I'm very frustrated watching my family continue life as normal. Um, mm-hmm. And they followed quite strict restrictions right at the beginning. Um, but life is continuing on. They're perfectly kids are back at school. They only missed six weeks in total last year in the first lockdown. Yep. Um, so Australia, just to remind people, Australia, New Zealand and, say, Taiwan tackled this very differently yes. by basically closing their country. That's it. So if I wanted to get home at the moment, I would have to make an application to the government um, as my reason to why I wanted to get back to Australia. Um, that would have to be approved and then I would get um, allocated to a flight that would land in Sydney International Airport and then I would be taken um, taken in a bus by the army to a designated hotel where I would be put in a hotel room. Um, who pay, By the way, who pays for that? Do, do, do you uh, have to pay? Okay, you three thousand Australian dollars. Three thousand dollars. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then if my husband wanted to come with me, I think it's an extra fifteen hundred for him. So you're um, essentially quarantined, uh, you know, without against your will, whether you like it or not. You're, yeah. you're quarantined. You and for the three grand, they feed you. They put your food at the front at the door of your room. You're not allowed to leave. You're not allowed there's to go no out for window. exercise. Yeah. There's no window. There's no balcony. I've had friends that have done it. Um, and it's very basic. It's jail. Very basic. Um, it's detention. Yeah. It's j- essentially jail for two weeks. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is. Okay. Now, it, but and, and by the way, that may work for Australia. And look, for Australia, New Zealand, we've seen very low numbers of cases and everything. And if they do get a case, they go into panic. So we've seen it work to some degree. But that can't go on forever. No, it can't go on forever. No, um, I agree that with that. But I suppose when people are trying to talk about holidays at a time like this. Wanting to go overseas, that's a luxury that we probably won't have for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it makes me think, if I needed to get home, it would have to be an emergency. I wouldn't just go home to see my family. For anybody, but I just mentioned, I actually just mentioned here, it's just online, for anybody wanting to go to Australia, the quarantine cost alone, not about your flights, is €1,909.51. I don't know what the 51 cent is for, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's an odd figure, isn't it? It's probably converted, actually, from Australian dollars. The price probably fluctuates yeah. every now and again. Yeah. And I, I can see the logic in that from Australia and New Zealand's point of view. Somebody described them as the bold kids in the class who are waiting yeah. for the vaccine. But if the vaccine doesn't work as effectively as we would like to think it works, and it still lets, allows infection to spread, but just with lower symptoms or, or lower serious symptoms, that's not going to be good for Australia and New Zealand because that leaves them crippled when it comes to tourism, which maybe they can they can survive independently. But for yeah. Ireland as being part of Europe, that's a non-runner, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. It is, no, it's, it's, no, this is a very different situation. You've got a dual governance with Northern Ireland and you're a part of the EU, so it makes it very difficult to close borders and to, to do the same. 
Um, mm. I think it it would make people think twice about travelling um, instead of just going for a holiday if it was only essential travel for those that have to for work um, or to see... And, what happen- and, then, and then what happens if, like many scientists predict, COVID-19 is around for the next 20 years? Where do, where do we stand then? Oh... Is it a case that. that we just never go on holidays again? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or we don't travel the world or you don't get home, which I, I feel sorry for you if you've got family back in Australia. Yeah. It's very no, I difficult. I definitely would like to get home. I mean, I have a, a father who's in his mid-70s and he's not wonderfully well, but it is a reality that I would have to get back there in an emergency. And, and how would you do it. that? I, that's the that's the fear. I try not to think about that if I would have to get back to him. And because, um, I mean, we, we've all been in a situation where many of us were, you know, uh, an elderly relative takes sick very quickly. I mean, and, I, and I'm not wishing that upon you, Catherine, and I hope your no, dad is, is healthy. Yeah, and, yeah. But if anything happened tomorrow whereby he took sick very quickly, you're in a really bad situation. I am. I am. That's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people are facing, I suppose, that are living so far away from home. Um, mm. Yep. But not not just that, not just being away from home. They might be in a different county in Ireland and you still can't get to them. Yep. It's a difficult situation for everybody. And I think to write that off the way it was written off last night by Leo when he mentioned that if we went down that route to, you know, go to the funeral or to the deathbed of somebody who was in a different country, even in the UK, uh, would not be considered to be necessary. I don't know how anybody could say that's not necessary because I can tell you, I'm kind of glad in some sense that my parents have passed away because... I don't think that wild horses would stop me get you know going to no. see my mother at her deathbed or my yeah. father at her deathbed. It'd be absolutely awful, yeah. not being able to be with someone. Because um, that's important. It's, it's something you yeah. never get back again in no. your life, and it's all part of the grieving process. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, particularly I don't know whether it's an Australian thing, but here in Ireland, there's a whole thing about you know, oh, we were all there with him when he passed away, and it's a very Irish thing to say, you know. And I, and I don't know whether that's worldwide, whether people believe that's an important thing to do. Yeah. You know, no, I think that's quite unique yeah. to Ireland. Yeah. Well, look, I, I wish you well, Catherine, uh, and and I hope you get back home at some point without all the hassle that goes along with it. <laughs> I mean, thank uh, you. I would all end soon. Listen, thank you very much indeed. Okay. Uh, uh, loads of people texting in. Uh, Niall, I'm an absolute mess. My mental health is down the drain. I don't know how long more I can deal with this. I've lost my job. Uh, and sadly, so has my wife. Uh, both of us are in the private sector. Uh, this doesn't seem to be affecting the public sector, but the public sector need to have some level of empathy and understanding for the private sector who are being decimated uh, by COVID-19. Absolutely, absolutely. It did, financially, doesn't affect a percentage of the population. And that's why it's easy for people to go onto a Claire Burns survey and say, yeah, I agree with that, close everything down, when you're not being financially affected by it. And while your future is not being financially affected by it. For those in the private sector, in restaurants and bars, hospitality, they're decimated. Oh, no, just a quick comment there in regards to your uh, question. How is it affecting people? Um, I think you are probably one of the only media people out there who recognises that the effects of these lockdowns uh, on the psychological health of people and their ability to earn a living and be financially independent is uh, far worse than any effect from COVID when we're talking generally. And uh, so personally, I have a child on the way. I'm expecting a child... Um, my work has come to a halt. I've no certainty in terms of when I'll earn a living again. It's all up in the air. Uh, that's causing massive stress and pressures on, on myself personally. I know people who are, are are close to defaulting on mortgage payments. You know, it's really catastrophic. And I have to think 
is this even about a virus anymore? Yep. Uh, everyone is working back in New Zealand. Why aren't we? Well, if it's a different strategy. Somebody says now we need strict laws like Australia and New Zealand. It's the only way out. It's not the only way out. And if we want to get out of this, we must copy them and get the Irish economy within Ireland moving again. With wishy-washy laws achieving nothing, I have a friend in Australia and she's enjoying a full and happy life, says Deirdre. Well, okay. You know, Deirdre, you're not looking... You can't compare Ireland to New Zealand and Australia. Firstly, although you might say we're an island, we're not really. We're part of Europe. We also share a border with the border with Northern Ireland. Australia and New Zealand don't have land borders. We do. And we're part of Europe. Our economy relies on Europe. Their economy doesn't uh, rely on anything bigger. So I think you're not really thinking true, Deirdre. We're not the same as Australia and New Zealand. And long term, that's not going to work for Ireland. Let me just go to Mick. Mick, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Mick? Uh, how's things? How are you? Good. Mick, I mean, you're a pilot. So, yeah. look, I mean, there's nobody more affected than the travel industry at the moment by uh, restrictions and lockdowns, particularly today when they've announced they're literally going to stop people going on holidays. So how has that affected your work? Obviously, you're kind of um, out of a job, are you? Well, effectively out of a job, but still on the books of the airline. Um and nowhere to go. Like, obviously, there's nowhere to go. It's not like I can go to another country and join a different airline and work from there. Um, last March, when this all started, we thought two weeks, six weeks, whatever the first lockdown was. And then it continued to roll. And the picture just got bleaker and bleaker. And now they're saying that they give ministers coming out saying no holidays this summer. So it's going to be effectively two years now without any wages, any, anything coming into house bar my partner's salary. Um, we bought a house just before the lockdown, uh, got work done on the house, and of course, mortgage and bills, like like a lot of people in the private sector, and as you, you, um, you had a guy on there saying um, he's expecting a baby and that as well, the public sector has been fine in effect. From a financial point of view, yes. From a financial point of view, um, yes, they can't visit family and that sort of thing, but there's some formation of a, of a, a means of earning. Yeah, they're, they're, um, their earnings are fine and their future is not uncertain. Yeah, and like my my skills uh, as a pilot don't, I, I I can't just go into into a different job and they they cross over, um, and then it, as well, we still have to be available to the airline if they do call us back. So and and in relation to your salary at the moment, and I don't want to know your salary, Mick, but I mean percentage wise, how much are you down on a monthly basis? Um, well, since last March, I'm down ninety two percent. Oh my. So I and, and and okay, is, are you getting any subsidies from the state or? No, we we weren't. We we originally were told we were entitled to the TWSS, um, and then it came that the airline itself had to apply for this and then pay us, and they they'd get it back from the government. But that never happened in the end. And then the airline is now saying that it's not up to them to apply for it. But when we go into social welfare to ask for the payments, they're not entertaining us at all. They're telling us to get a company to it. But also, too, they're saying that you have to be unemployed. You have to be made unemployed. And because we're not unemployed, we're officially still employed by the airline, but not operating. And we're on a, a pay-to-fly contract. Mm-hmm. So effectively a zero-hour contract. Um, and it, it, this is a years-long debate as to how legal these are, but it, it continues to happen. Um, and as the, the pandemic continues to roll, 
you zero hour contracts are exactly that. Zero hour, zero pay. And when, when, um, you, when you have been flying, and I'm sorry to rush you, I'm just running out of time, but if, yeah. when you have been flying, and uh, is it charter flights you're flying or what are the schedule flights? What are you, what are you flying? Um, we, we have, I've been doing t- uh, schedule flights uh, now. Are they, is everybody complying? Are people wearing masks? Are they, you know, are, are generally speaking, people well behaved about the whole thing? Or? Yeah, we've had, we've had no problems at all, and I haven't heard maybe one or two are kind of um, contesting it. But in general, it seems to be across the board compliance because people just want to go. Yeah, they just they just want to go. They're they're complying to PCR tests. But you see, the problem is that each like you were talking about, each state has different rules to the to the, which tests you can and can't have. In, in the UK, they're accepting the NHS um, testing, but in Ireland, we don't accept the NHS test. You have to have a PCR. So people come from the UK are getting confused and being turned away at the gate. Yeah, there's, there need, there, that, that's what owns earlier on. There needs to be one yeah. single, be, be it antigen oh, or whatever it is, test yeah. accepted everywhere. And I think well, antigen is probably the answer because it's quicker. Yeah, um, but generally, the, the compliance is, is above, well above 95, if not more, percent. Um, but unfortunately, the flights are few and far between. And when you have an airline that has so many pilots, um, especially the, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm in Ireland, based in Ireland. There's guys that have to commute in from all over Europe who are coming in for one day, and like their their commute alone and hotels cost more than. It's, what it's not worth the while actually go to work. I get it. No, no, I get it. Work I get nowadays, it. Yeah. Well, look, Mick. I, I hope life gets better for you. I can't see it, unfortunately, get better for you between now and at least August or September, anyway. Um, but I hope it does get better for you. And my heart goes out to people in the industry, the aviation industry, who are sort of kind of forgotten at the moment. The people that actually work there. Uh, it's not just the big boys who own these companies. It's the people who are actually working there who are losing out. Mick, thanks very much indeed. I hope things get better for you, Eddie. You're on Classic Kids. How you doing, Eddie? I'm stuck for time, Eddie. I've only got about a minute. Um, but uh, what's your situation? Uh, it's that is. I'll make this quick, so because you're right. There's a field in front of me, a green, used for that. The girls go up there every Saturday, Sunday night for one hour, sit in their cars, play bingo, guy, yeah. no little, no nothing. The Gestapo came along Sunday night. The guard, the guard, you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, well, whatever we okay. want to call them, and said, "This is it. No more. You can't do it." So, so let me, okay, so they went to this empty field, uh, like the yeah. Agassiz and RTE with the big screen, of course, yeah. That's uh, and, it, yeah. Yeah, and like, a, dr- like a drive-in bingo in their cars. They sit in the cars, play their game of bingo for one hour exactly and go home. And, and the guards went last night, week and dispersed them. Came along Sunday night and says, that's it, it's finished. No more. And what, I mean, what's the argument? If they're sitting in their cars... What's um, he, he doesn't like it. <laughs> oh, okay. He it's just a, doesn't like the gathering, probably. There's only 34. But, like, it's a field, as I said. They're off the road. There's no traffic jams. There's, no, there's nobody interacting with anybody else? or No one at all. They're all in their own cars, and they're all gunning after mm. one hour. Well, well, the guard's argument is it's not a necessary journey, and I, and I understand that's their job. They're being told to do that. But uh, it's a little bit over the top, isn't it? Yeah. It's a lot from the area. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Eddie, okay, thanks very much indeed. And, and you know, those kind of, I think there has to be a level of common sense. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I think the guards should use common sense. And I would like to think that most guards do use common sense and apply common sense to these kind of rules and regulations and, you know, have an understanding of people's positions because those people in the field playing bingo in their cars, they're law-abiding citizens. You know, they're not criminals. But yet we're treating everybody like criminals now for laws, which are temporary laws, hopefully temporary laws that are brought in uh, to deal with the pandemic. And I think the guards need to be level-headed about it and have a level of understanding that people need to get on with their lives in some form. We are human beings. 
and we need some form of socialization because it does affect us and it does have a massive effect on our lives if we don't have something or some sort of outlet or social outlet because we're social creatures. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.